Hello and welcome to a new episode of Behind the Scenes of Happiness, Motivation for Motivators. I'm your host, Christoph Spiesens. Today I'm talking with the very inspirational Kevin Young. He's a coach and we are going to talk about the middle way and how it can help us achieve a happier, healthier, more joyful, more fulfilling and more multi-dimensional life. Enjoy. It's my great pleasure to welcome you to the show, Kevin. How are you today? Uh, Christoph, I'm fantastic and uh, I beg to differ. It is my great pleasure to be on the show. Uh, and the sun is shining in Saintfield, where I'm from, which is a little tiny, tiny village in County Down in Ireland. Uh, and and I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. So thank you very much for having me. Sure. And this is the beauty of the internet, right? Because we, we've spoken once before, mm-hmm. but apart from that, we had never met. And something like this, if it wasn't for a chance meeting in person, something like this wouldn't happen 15, 20 years ago. So, it couldn't happen. And just to share with our listeners, we connected, or we were connected by the universe through James Perry, who was, of course, a guest on one of the previous episodes called From Analytical to Spiritual, and which was a hugely popular episode. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to check it out. But so today I'm talking with a friend of James, Kevin, who is a life coach. That's right. With a particular passion to support entrepreneurs in the hospitality industry. Yeah, uh, Christoph, I grew up in, uh, in a hospitality family. Uh, so I was raised and my parents had cafes and coffee shops and sandwich bars and outside catering facilities. You know, we would cater for 200 people at golf clubs and cricket clubs and that sort of thing. And I grew up in that environment. And I suppose it's an area where I have a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. And yeah, I, I really... I really feel passionate about people that work in that, you know, service and hospitality and retail. Uh, and these are tough places to work. And I like to offer people all the support that I can in, in, in those industries. Mm. Now, as we are recording this, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I did a speaking gig on mindfulness in Manchester. And it was co-organized by action hospitality or hospitality action. I'm really sorry if I'm getting it wrong, but I wasn't familiar with this charity organization until yesterday. So I just want to bring this into the conversation. Is there, as because I know you're an empathic coach and you use your sixth sense a lot in your work, which I know from our first conversation, do you feel that because of your empathic skill set you're particularly suited to helping people from the hospitality industry because there is such a need for emotional support which goes often unspoken do you is there a way of connecting the dots here or is that just a, a chance setup no i don't i don't think it's chance uh christoph i think that i can be very confident in, in those arenas you know because i've worked on um, yeah busy front of house and busy kitchens and, and bars, et cetera. But the, the, the dot is really, or the, the line that joins the dot is really that I have a passion for people. I love to work with people. I love to help people. I love to be supportive of people. I think that I, through my 
empathy or understanding of people that people open up to me quite easily. Uh, I find it quite easy to create an environment of security and attunement and openness and honesty. You know, and, and I, I hope and feel very strongly that I give off an air of, of confidentiality. And uh, so that's really the, the, the line really just joins the dot in that I love to work with people and I love hospitality. Yeah. Uh, but, it's, but it's people. It's people that's the important thing. Good. I mean, cu- currently I'm working with uh, a large company in, in the north of Ireland here who are uh, a car a car leasing company. So they lease cars to other companies, you know, maybe a fleet of 12 or 20 or 30 cars. And I'm working with their, their whole team. So their management team, their operations team, their sales team, their admin team uh, to help create stability in, in a sense of mindfulness, as you mentioned, and, and mental well-being, uh, and helping those guys to understand that they need to support each other and support themselves mm. uh, whilst in their work. Supporting yourself is easily overlooked by people, right? Because Absolutely. It's always about the other person, whether you're a team leader or you are a senior manager or you're a parent or you're a friend who's always there for other people. Mm-hmm. Self-prioritizing is not always, doesn't always come easy to people, does it? No, it doesn't. And, you know, Christoph, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the work that I'm doing currently as well, uh, I, I'm working with a Canadian doctor called Gabor Mate. And his, his methodology is around compassionate inquiry. Hmm. And quite often, we, we don't put ourselves first, we put other people first, because that's what we are taught when we are very young. Uh, we are taught that it's rude to put ourselves first. We are taught that it's selfish mm-hmm. to put ourselves first. Uh, and, and these things are taught to us from, from a very early age. Uh, and, and these belief systems, values, are very deeply in, ingrained in us. Mm. And, you know, lots of, in fact, the majority of people would feel that, you know, I, I couldn't take half an hour myself you know, I, I couldn't do that. You know, I, I'm too busy or I, I have to work hard. Or, and I think the, the misunderstanding that people have is that when they do take 30 minutes or their, you know, 30 minutes to themselves uh, for some self-care, that their productivity actually goes up. Uh, their skill set goes up. Uh, their performance goes up. Uh, so actually by taking a step out and applying some self-care, that everything else is better as well. You don't actually, you don't actually decrease your performance by taking half an hour out. You increase your performance by taking half an hour out. So, not only do I think that organisations have a responsibility for their employees or entrepreneurs have a responsibility to themselves to look after their mental health if they want to perform well, uh, they have an obligation to their customers or to their clients to take that thirty minutes themselves as well. So it's it's a win win. You feel better, therefore, your clients, your customers, the people that you interact with feel better. Absolutely. It's important to slow down in order to speed up. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, Christoph, when I I speak with people, uh, and sometimes I I do a little bit of podcasting as well, and a question that I like to ask people is, finish the sentence. I would love to, 
dot, dot, dot. And if I was asked that question, I would love to teach the world to relax, to chill out, to calm down, to slow down. And people sometimes confuse that because I think this idea of self-care gets confused with laziness or slothfulness. Yeah. Uh, and Guilt might creep in. As well. Absolutely. Uh, and really what we're asking, or I, I would love to teach the world, I would love to teach the world to slow down, relax, chill out, be more compassionate, be more understanding. And as such, then our productivity will increase. The good work that we do will, will increase. You know, and it's, it's not selfish at all. There's no need to feel guilt. Mm. Uh, I mean, athletes, athletes use a term, uh, it's called QRT, quality recovery time. Mm. And if we can, and, and that's, a, you know, that's, that's part of an athlete's regime. You know, uh, stretches, uh, uh, they do cardio work, they do muscle and strength work, and then they do quality recovery time. And it's actually... It's, it's a thing to do. It's not that you're doing nothing. You're doing quality recovery time. There's an accomplishment in that. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think in, a, in our family lives and our work lives and our social interactions, that we have a responsibility to ourselves and to other people to put into our life some quality recovery time. I'm smiling, Kevin, because I think we should have... <laughs> put a disclaimer um, before we started to say, do not listen to this podcast when you're driving or operating heavy machinery. (laughs) (laughs) Your voice is so soothing and I completely resonate with the calming down and, you know, slowing down because it, it, it does make such a difference. And I recall many years ago now, I'm pleased to say, however, sometimes that habit rears its ugly head when I have a day off, and um, so let's say a Sunday, I used to fill that day with, I have to go to the bookstore, I have to go to the gym, I have to get that walk in there as well. And it was like, at one point, my Sundays became the most exhausting day of the week mm-hmm. through an imbalanced way of scheduling my downtime. And it was a very, very weird phenomenon because all of these activities on their own were very relaxing. As a collection, however, it became a very draining day. So I had to learn. And Christoph, you know, it's an individual thing as well. So you might like to go for a sauna. Someone else might like to read a book. Someone else might like to go for a walk. Someone else might like to do a bit of yoga or go for a swim or whatever that is for you. You know, I like to play my guitar uh, and, and just just strum on guitar for half an hour. I was going to ask because, of course, the vast majority of our listeners are the people from the motivational sector. So how good are you at walking your talk, Kevin? How do you manage yourself, so to speak, in that regard? Well, interestingly, uh, we talked before about the middle way, uh, Christoph, and I would be an an avid meditator, so I like like to meditate. Uh, I love to read. Uh, I love to play music. Music is my my buzz, you know, and I love coffee and coffee shops. 
Uh, I love being with my family and I love working hard when I have to work hard, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I will, I will ma- uh, meditate at least once a day, at least once a day. And that might be a 30 minute meditation, but also I'm a, it, for example, in between my clients, I like to not book clients back to back so that one is passing the other on the way in and the way out. So that leaves me a little, sometimes 15 minutes, sometimes half an hour. And in that, I can do a little two-minute meditation and just just relax for two minutes. And I call it come to my senses so I can appreciate uh, what I can feel, feel under my feet, feel in my hands, feel the skin on my clothes. And that's a sense of touch. I can uh, come to my sense of smell. What can I smell? Maybe there's more than one smell. Maybe I can smell my own aftershave and an incense stick or outside or, you know. Uh, I like to see what I can taste. Can I taste coffee or toothpaste or, you know. Uh, and then usually the last minute is just sitting with my hearing, with my sense of hearing and allowing myself to hear what's happening in my own body. You know, have I got gurgles in my tummy? Have, you know, can I hear my breath? Can I hear my heartbeat? And then sounds that are in the room, sounds that are beyond the room and outside, and the silence that encases all of that. Because sounds can only exist because there's silence in between them. Uh, And that meditation can be three minutes, three minutes to just come to my senses. And the reason I call it come to my senses, well, it's very obvious that it's taste, touch, hearing, but your senses are always present your senses are always now. You can't feel something in yesterday. You can't feel something in tomorrow. You can't smell tomorrow. You can't smell yesterday. Uh, you can't hear yesterday and you can't hear tomorrow. So your senses are always present. So they're always coming to right now. And that can be three minutes. That's enough. Just to relax and come to your senses. And it's very restorative, isn't it? Completely. And it's respectful towards the person you've just worked with and it's respectful towards the person you're about to serve. Absolutely. Including yourself. Absolutely. Uh, And you will know, Christoph, in the role that you do, uh, and I I would hope that all your coaches and and, and people that are helpers uh, appreciate as well. If I'm dealing with something that's in me, right now, then I, can't, I cannot attune to you with 100% of my attention, you know, if, if I'm dealing with what's, what's in me. So it is absolutely respectful to deal with what's in yourself and, and uh, decombust or de-stress so that you can completely attune to what's in, in front of you with, with the next client. And that's really, really important. And when I first learned that was, uh, when I was much younger, uh, in my mid-twenties, probably mid-twenties, I started having children. Uh, sorry, my wife started having children with, with my help, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was working in, in for, I was working for a large telecommunications company in a, in a fairly stressful sales environment, really tough. Mm-hmm. And I found that I would come out of work drive home in the traffic, you know, be busy, get into the home. And of course the kids were happy to see you, daddy, daddy, daddy. You know, they would latch themselves onto your leg. 
and I find myself saying, oh, give me a minute, guys, I'm just in the door, you know, let, let me settle down, you know. And that is, that, that's emotional rejection to a child of two or three years of age, you know, yes. and that creates trauma. And I find, I read a book by a guy called Jack Black, who was a Scottish guy. And he talked about the art of when you come home from work and before you get home. So I used to park my car just a few houses up the street and just sit for five minutes and say, okay, just let's let work go. Work's been done for the day. Work's done. Let's come back to now, come back to my senses to relax. And after five minutes, I could go in home and my kids would be, daddy, daddy, daddy. And I would be, yay, kids, yo, let's go. Uh, and the difference that that five minutes made for me in my life was amazing. And, and when I say the middle way, I've been able to slow down. We quite often don't pause between tasks. So we quite often do a task, next task, next task, next task. Next task you know, and we don't pause. Mm. And a pause can be... Mm. 10 seconds so I finish this task I take 10 seconds and start the next task a guilt-free 10 seconds a, a guilt-free 10 seconds mm. guilt-free you know, just take 10 seconds go and look out the window or sit mm. on the chair and, and it, it can be five seconds so long as it's conscious so long as the cause is the pause is conscious it is five seconds it is. yeah yeah the duration will reveal itself. Absolutely. Mm, beautiful. Let's talk about the middle way a bit longer mm. because I recall from our first conversation, we were talking about how we live in a world of, so I'm talking LinkedIn, for example, where mm. you see many successful is or apparently successful people because as long as you've not had a direct experience mm. of them, I think successful is is relative but who seem to promote getting up at really early in the morning working all hours of the day and night and you know grinding and hustling and and i understand that if you want to build something it's going to require a certain amount of effort and we talked about this but boy where do we find that middle way when does when is too much too much I'd be interested in your thoughts, please, Kevin, around this whole extremes thing that seems to be an, you know, an ideal nowadays. Absolutely. So, Christoph, for me, it's, it's fairly simple. If somebody could be doing something that they're not, as in achieving or you know making those sales calls or uh, reaching out to those clients they they know they should be doing that people know they should be doing that mm -hmm. and there is a reason why they're not so telling someone just do it you know they will get a burst of energy a short-term burst of energy from that command however if they're self-concept, their, 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 their own core beliefs are preventing them from doing that thing, mm. they will return to that because that's, that's their core. That, that's who they are at their core. They will return to the previous, turn to the, the previous way. So just, you know, getting someone to get up out of bed at five o'clock uh, every morning, they will burn out. They will burn out soon enough. 
or something in their life will burn out. Their relationships will end. Uh, they will have uh, you know, a poor emotional attachment to their children, a uh, poor emotional attachment to their colleagues. Uh, so something, something will burn out there. But there is a reason why they're not doing what they want to do in the first place. Is that a lack of self-worth? Is it they feel unworthy of the success? They don't believe they can achieve it. And for me, there's a, there's a reason that lies behind the reason that, that they're not doing those things. Uh-huh. And for me, the, the middle way allows you to discover what that is and find balance in your life. So what is the use of working like an absolute demon and missing all those little moments of uh, kids taking their first steps or uh, having time to go for coffee with your sister like I did today. What, what, What is the point of a life where you can't have those experiences? And Christoph, believe me, businesses come and go, money comes and goes, uh, success comes and goes, happiness comes and goes, but relationships, if managed well, and that's a relationship with yourself, yes. uh, relationship with your intimate partner, uh, relationship with your family, your children, your colleagues, they are what will survive. Mm-hmm. You know, and this middle way for me is a way of ensuring success in all of those areas. You know, that you have great relationships, that you can grow your business, that your health is in a good position. Uh, and the middle way for me is a way to ensure all of those lovely things about life are able to be ex- able to be experienced. Yeah. And hey, Christoph, I totally appreciate that some weeks, you know, the 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 stuff hits the fan, mm-hmm. and you know you got to work late a few nights, and or you got you know you got to do what you got to do, and I totally appreciate that. I I get that, and I do that, you know. However, for me, that is something that is a solution on, in the short term, but if you find that that's how your life is normally. To me, you're, you're hiding from something. And, and we then, Christoph, when we talk about the middle way, we then talk about, uh, for me, addiction. And I use that term on a very large scale that you know, addiction to work is, uh, when, when dealing with addiction, the, the, the scale of addiction goes from mobile phone to methamphetamine. Uh, you know, and work and abusive relationships and uh, shopping and and they're all just they're all just a distraction from yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a distraction there because there is something about you that you don't like. There's a trauma there. There's something in there that you don't like. So working, you know, up at five in the morning and working till eleven at night uh, for ten years in a row, you're you're hiding. You're you're distracting yourself from something. Uh, something about you that you don't like. You're, you're, there's there's, a, there's a, a distraction stops you looking at that. Whereas if you choose a, a middle way, so you can work hard, you can enjoy your friends and social events, you can enjoy your children, uh, you can enjoy your self-care. Uh, and for me, that's sustainable. That's sustainable and that's, that's an enjoyable life. Instead of 
a one-dimensional life of just working. Uh, and there's a funny old story, Christoph, and we've all heard it, you know, uh, deathbed stories. And uh, I wish I had have worked more, said no one ever on their deathbed. You know, uh, I wish I had have spent more time in the office, said no one ever on their deathbed. Uh, I wish I hadn't have been able to spend so much time with my kids, said no one ever on their deathbed. And that idea of, you know, Buddhists, Buddhists meditate an awful, an awful lot on the, on the idea of death. And I know that sounds very morbid, but they meditate a lot on the idea of today could be my last day. It, it, it could all end today. And if it all ended today, am, am, am I happy with how I'm, what I'm leaving behind? Am I happy with the relationships I'm leaving behind? Uh, and if you ask yourself that question and the answer is no, yeah, I think you need to attend to that. By choosing a middle way, uh, you will have a happier, more fulfilling, more enjoyable, uh, a more multi-dimensional life than by knocking your pan in for, for 16 hours a day or 20 hours a day for 10 years. And that also goes for you know, looking, at, looking at, at this situation or this idea through a very positive lens. This also goes for people who are very passionate about their careers. So mm-hmm. I, again, talking to our audience here, um, we have coaches who, well, like myself, I, what I am and what I do is one and the same thing. Um, so it's very hard, so to speak, to know when to slow down because... It's, it's, can I yeah. can I butt, can I butt across you there, Christoph? Just because uh, I, I think it's very important and something that you said there. You said what I am and what I do are one of the same thing, and that that's a recipe for crisis because what you are is permanent, and what you do is transitory. Mm. So if you and if our listeners identify that I am what I do, so what happens when you stop doing? What you what you do? Do you stop being who I am? Uh, and and it's, a, it's a really important distinction that, that what you do. And I don't I don't mean to correct you. You know, I don't mean that at all. But it's important. What you do is not who you are. Uh, what you do is what you do, and who you are is who you are. You can certainly love what you do. Uh, you can certainly be passionate about what you do. Uh, you can certainly really enjoy what you do and, and get a real buzz out of it, but it's not who you are because what you do can end in a flash and that's when people fall into crisis. And we find high-performing athletes and high-performing entrepreneurs and, 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 and business people who... We all know the stories of the boxers and the footballers who become, you know, they're 34 and 35 and they, their careers ended and, and they fall into crisis and they fall into alcoholism and addiction and, and different things and, and they don't know who they are anymore. Who, who, who am I? Now that I'm not a boxer or now that I'm not a sports star or not, you know, uh, when, when music careers end sometimes, who, who am I now? They have completely lost identity and attachment to who I am because they thought that who I am was what I do. Uh, and I'm just suggesting to, to, to yourself and, and the listeners that, that what you do is not who you are. Uh, who you are is who you are, and what you do is what you do. 
and and I think it's important by choosing a middle way, as we've said, that you keep attachment to who you are, and you appreciate that what you do is what you do. It's 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 uh, and you know if we dig a bit further into that, what you bring to what you do are your skills and your attributes and your talents and your abilities and your qualities. Uh, and they all make up who you are, but they're not what you do. And uh, I've been speaking to people recently just about getting uh, uh, very attached or identifying with the role that they do. And then when they have to change job, they can become very upset uh, because they've identified so strongly with the role. But really what they are, are all their talent, skills, attributes, abilities, and they can bring them with them. So you bring you bring you with you to the next role that you do. Uh, either it's a new job or it's a promotion or it's a different set of clients or new customers. And you bring all you, all the qualities and skills and attributes of you, you bring to the next role. But you leave the role behind. The role can, the role can fall away and, and stay behind. Uh, and just finally on that, uh, talking about the middle way, and, and that, that uh, you know, young men, uh, quite often present uh, with alcoholism, uh, teens, early 20s, that type of thing. But women tend to present with alcoholism in their mid-50s. And that's really to do with when their children grow up and go to university or get married or leave the home. And the woman is now not uh, that that homekeeper, mother, you know, I know she's still a mother in, in uh, biologically, if you like, but, but she's not a mother in the role that she plays. Uh, and women then present with alcoholism because they don't know who they are. Who am I? Uh, you know, I, I've spent 30 years of my life being a mother and now I'm not a mother. So, so who am I? I? I don't know who I am. Uh, whereas if that same woman had taken some time for self-care, uh, to find the middle way, to spend uh, some time with her husband or her, her, her wife or intimate partner, whatever, uh, and spend some time with her friends uh, and spend some time by herself. She would have a real strong identity of who she is rather than the role that she has played. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. I'm, I'm sorry for putting the cross you there, but I think that's important to say. For me, in, in my experience, that, that's an important distinction to make. Uh, when I was very young and, and I went to, uh, with my mother to register for primary school, and I can remember sitting in this office uh, with my mother and, and the lady principal of, of the school, and my mother and this lady were having a conversation, just going over my head as, as a small child. And then the lady said to me, uh, now, uh, can I take your name? She said to me, and, and I said, yeah. Uh, and I gave her my name. I said, my name is Kevin Young. And that was fine. And we, when we came outside, outside of our office and outside of the school, I burst into floods of tears. I burst out crying. And my mom was saying, what, what, what's up? What's wrong with you? What, what's, you know, what's, what's going on? What's up? And I said, that lady took my name. Uh, what, what are they? What are they going to call me now? She took my name, uh, and my mum had to explain that she didn't take my name. You know, uh-huh. she just she just asked for my name, and it got me thinking about the identification of ourselves and of others 
that we we you know identify with labels. So uh, you know that idea of someone being fat or thin or beautiful or not so beautiful or wealthy or not wealthy or or Christian or Muslim or black or white or you know. And we get so caught up in the the labels that we attach to people and to ourselves. By the way, I, when I say people, I include myself now. We get so attached to the labels that we identify people through that we then have an expectation of how they should be. Uh, and if we can learn to remove those labels, so we, if we can see past that someone may be heavier than another, someone may be darker skinned than another, someone may be another religion from another. If we can see past that, even if we can see past male and female, if we can see past that label, then what we're left with is a being, a person, you know, uh, and really what we're left with is, is love. Because if we don't attach a label and we don't have an expectation then we can't be disappointed when that person does or doesn't live up to this expectation. And when you take away all those expectations, you're just left love. And what you've described here is exactly the origin of what I said earlier about being and doing being the same thing, because it was born from frustration. And that's a heavy word to use, but I'm using it purposely. It was born from frustration of having to find a marketable way of what kind of coach I was and who my audience are and blah, blah, blah. All the things that from a marketing perspective, I understand it very well, will make it easier and more effective, etc. blah, blah. But I always rebelled against in that it didn't i didn't resonate with it because what i am and what i do are the same thing in that when i go somewhere i show up as love to to quote the word that you said because that's yeah. what i am i am source energy in the same way that you are source energy absolutely that's the that's the without the label who are you boom we are essence and that's what we all share so when i meet another essence then that's it it's a it's a meeting between two Two of the same. It's 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 exactly that. Um, so, I felt that wherever I went and whoever I was spending time with, the same thing happened. There was some kind of energy exchange from them to me, and of course, a lot from me to them. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I identify strongly with what happens in this current way of showing up in the world and that's why it is it it becomes one and the same thing and i just feel like i wanted to share that because it it it, it aids to the to the conversation thank you for sharing that does that make right. sense yeah <laughs> completely it completely makes sense Absolutely. this is where many people go like whoa he's off again. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, but you, you, you got to go where you got to go, Christoph. You know, you got you to gotta go where you got to go, uh, especially when you feel safe enough to go there. That's the thing, you know, when you, uh, when you feel safe enough to have this sort of conversation, then have it. And I think when you don't feel safe enough to have this conversation, then don't. Uh, you know, and that's, that's kind of how I, I look at this now. There's, there's some people that I would have this conversation with and they would look at me and go, this guy needs locked up. 
Yep. Uh, and there are other people that I have this conversation with that we could converse like this for hours and hours and hours and mm. hours. Uh, and, and I suppose as you get a little bit older, you learn when to have those conversations and, and when not, you know, and, and uh, that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, not showing up with love. Uh, that just means that I'm aware enough of when someone, someone's ready and, and someone's not ready to have this conversation. So what else are you really passionate about in terms of things you would like the world to know? <laughs> mm. I would like the world to know, given that this is a Mental Health Awareness Week, I would like the world to know that everything will be okay. Uh, and that idea of mental wellness and mental health and that everything, everything is transitory. You know, uh, George Harrison said, all things must pass. And they do. I would like the world to know that nothing is permanent. You know, your, your mental state or your finances or how you're feeling about the breakup of your marriage or none of these things are permanent. Uh, they, they, they all pass. And I'd like the world to know that. I'd like the world to know that you can take control of your of yourself. You can co-create. You can relax and achieve all at the same time. Uh, I'd like the world to know that sometimes just being there for someone is 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 all they need. Sometimes they don't need your advice. Sometimes they don't want your opinion. Sometimes they just want you to sit and nod your head and say, I see you and I hear you. And that's enough. Being present. Present, yeah. Uh, I'd also like the world to know that, uh, you know, I'm not so sure how we, we should get so deep into the spirituality of things, Christoph, but I'd like the world to know that uh, we are all from the same source and we are all going to the same source. And, you know, whether someone is struggling with something or whether someone uh, is homeless or whether someone has a different color skin or whether someone has a different ideology uh, or appreciation of theology, that essentially, we are all the same. And by me being compassionate to you and to anyone else I see, I'm actually being compassionate to myself. And if we can just apply this compassion, and that doesn't mean being allowed to be walked over. You can decide in a situation, you know, I, I don't like it here and, 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 and I'm going to leave. Uh -huh. uh, and that's okay. But I'd like the world to know that Compassion is a really, really, really important thing. Uh, and uh, it's interesting that, that when I ask some questions to people and I ask the people, uh, what is the world? One of the questions I ask is, what is the world lacking? Uh -huh. And so far, every single person has said, love. <laughs> the, and, and without prompt, and I find that very interesting. What is the world lacking? They all say, love. Uh, and if the world is lacking love, if I add a measurement of love, whatever that may be, a teaspoon, you know, a skip full, a swimming pool full, 
if I can add a teaspoon of love, then the world has more love. Uh, And if I can add that every day, that's 365 teaspoons uh, in a year. Uh, You know, and that if you think the world is lacking something, then add it. Mm. Add it. And if we all had that attitude, you know, if we all added a cup full of love every day, that's, you know, almost 8 billion people in the world adding a cup full of love. That's a whole lot of love. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think that if I wanted the world to, to hear anything, it would be be compassionate to yourself uh, and to the people in your life. And love, you know, love, love, love's a great thing. And, and uh, love doesn't have to be sexual. In fact, quite often it's not. Uh, in fact, when we think about it, most of the relationships in your life are, are non-sexual. Uh, most of them are, are platonic. And if we can add love to all of those relationships, then then surely the world will be a better place. Beautiful. Kevin, thank you so much for your wisdom and your insights, your energy, and for showing up so authentically. If our listeners want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, there are, uh, I suppose, all the usual methods, Christoph. My website is uh, www.in-myand.com. So that's in mind right. with the, the mind spelled with a Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through that, uh, they will be able to connect with me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will be able to connect with me on Facebook. Uh, they will be able to connect with me on Instagram. And I am always, always happy to take an email or, or a message from someone uh, just to say hi, just to connect. And I mean, you also, you also said, uh, you said I wanted to ask people to, you know, read something or, or something like that. And I, and I would like to, I would like to share two things. Uh, so one is absolute and blatant self-promotion. Uh, so I like to sing and record some songs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, I suppose it's quite, it's, mm, I suppose someone described it recently, a, a reviewer described it as uh, melancholy dark songs with just enough cracks to let the light in. <laughs> and and I, I like that description. So they are dark songs, but uh, they're dark songs with, with, I, I always try to write songs with, with just that glimmer of hope that, mm. that can shine through the people. Uh, so you'll find me at uh, on Bandcamp under Kevin Young. Right. And my uh, album on there is called Painted Sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can find me on, on Bandcamp and, and, and you'll find all that music on my Facebook page as well. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm studying with a chap now called uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, studying a uh, professional qualification in compassionate inquiry. And uh, Gabor Mate wrote uh, an absolutely fascinating book uh, called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, mm-hmm. Close Encounters with Addiction. And I would love people to go and find that book and read it. Uh, it, it is to do with addiction, but uh, not as we know it, I suppose. So, you know, addiction to all sorts of uh, things that distract us from ourselves mm-hmm. and the reasons why. So the, the neurological, the biological, the scientific, 
uh, reasons why we are disconnected from ourselves. Uh, and it gives some great tips on reconnecting with ourselves. And it is an absolutely uh, enlightening, eye-opening, uh, fascinating read. So that's Dr. Gabor Mate in the realm of hungry ghosts. Uh, and I think that's well worth everybody reading. Thank you for being a wonderful podcast guest today. And thank you for inspiring people to find and walk their middle way. You're more than welcome. I've absolutely loved it, Christoph. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have enjoyed it as much as Kevin and I enjoyed recording it, why not leave us a quick review or a rating on your favorite podcast platform? That would be really appreciated because this way we can raise the profile of the podcast even further and reach even more people around the world. So your help with that would be really, really cool. For more information about me, please visit christophspeesons.com for more free inspirational podcasts as well as guided meditations. And you can also find the links to all my social media channels on there. That's it for now. I look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Bye for now.